All right, guys, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you again, and we are live with another video podcast. So if you are listening to this, uh, feel free to jump over to YouTube, and you can watch this interview as well, and please subscribe to the channel. Uh, today, I have a guest who's actually a repeat guest. Uh, he's an old friend of mine named Bill Rapier. Um, he's an ex-Navy SEAL, and um he actually spent a lot of his time in one of his platoons as a sniper, um, and that's what this this episode is focused on. It's focused on long range rifle shooting, which has a you know a big time application for us as hunters as we start to get closer and closer to season. So, um, you know, if you don't know who Bill is, you should definitely go back and check out the first episode I recorded with him where we go really more into his general philosophy, his training philosophy, um, and, and that kind of stuff, and more self-defense, stuff like that. But I wanted to get an episode recorded with him um, about specifically about marksmanship and long-range rifle shooting um, as it pertains to hunting. I think it's valuable information for us as hunters as we start getting closer and closer to season and guys are hopefully able to find more ammo on the shelves out there and uh, send some rounds down range. So... This is a great episode to kind of uh, step up your game in terms of accuracy. Again, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. He spent some time in the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, or DEVGRU, which is an elite unit of SEALs. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. He's an awesome dude. He's a man of faith, a family man. And so I really think you'll enjoy this conversation with Bill Rapier. So uh, looking forward to it. Let's just jump right in. So you got you got a podcast mic and everything now, huh? Yeah, the uh, I'm, I'm doing enough of these now. I'm like, you know what? If you're gonna play the game, you might as well play to win, right? <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Um, so yeah, so welcome to the show, guys. I'm here again with my buddy from way back in the day, Bill Rapier, uh, the owner operator of Amtac Shooting American Tactical Shooting Instruction. Did I say that right. Also doing business as Amtac shooting, <laughs> Amtac shooting, and Amtac blades, um, high quality blades, and um, so yeah, man. Welcome back to the show, Hunter. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Yeah, man. So uh, if you guys haven't heard, I did a like I think the third episode or something I did was with Bill, and that's still my number one performing uh, most <laughs> downloaded episode. So go back awesome. and check that out. Yeah, um, but. Today, um, I wanted to just, uh, I actually want to talk a lot specifically about uh, precision rifle shooting, long range stuff. And of course, you know, within our context, it's mainly hunting. So it's, you know, we're not really, we're not really talking about thousand yard type stuff. We're, you know, we're talking about hunting distances and hunting rifles and stuff like that. But, you know, um, I think your skill set and your expertise, uh, is very helpful for that kind of thing. So, but before we get going, man, um, what's, uh, what's been going on with you? I know you just, uh, added another arrow to the quiver. Did you not? Yes. Uh, <laughs> had a daughter born to us uh, a little over a week ago now. So Congrats, man. she's keeping us, keeping us busy and, you know, less, less sleep than normal. Yeah. Uh, other than that thing, things are good. We're, uh, kind of in, I, I generally, don't schedule any training for the month of July because we make hay. Mm. So I'm kind of right in the middle of, of making hay uh, and having a newborn and uh, still trying That's to a lot of stuff. 
keep the other two businesses running. So yeah, and, and be involved is your with the church? So is your hay for your animals, or do you sell it? Yeah. Or okay, yeah. So we, uh, yeah, I've got ancient equipment. I got an old number nine sickle bar mower, John nice. Deere. It, it's probably eighty plus years old. Uh, so I actually, it was, it was kind of funny. I was wanting to, uh, I knew that I should probably replace the cutting teeth on it and I was wanting to, to not do it. Cause you know, it's another day's work or it's, it's not that much work, but you know, back by the time you go back and forth to the store, you know, right. it's a couple hours. And, uh, so I was going to try and try and do it without swapping stuff out. And I got literally two feet into the pasture and the, the seized up on me the first time Ooh. I'm like, all right. God, you're telling me something here. And uh, so went and swapped, changed out every tooth and a couple of the guides. And man, it's so much better. Like nice. I, I should have been doing this the whole time. Yeah, man. Definitely makes it a lot, a lot faster. So I've got this ancient sickle bar mower, and then I've got a, a pretty old V-bar rake, side delivery rake, and then I've got an old international harvester square baler. So nice, man. We get it done. Yeah. Uh, How many animals are you feeding? We're feeding about I don't know, anywhere between twenty five and forty critters. Okay. We've got a horse, a couple couple dairy goats, and then the, the sheep fluctuates between thirty and forty. Okay, nice. Or really between twenty and forty, depending on when what time of the year. Yeah. I remember visiting your house a long time ago in, in VB and you had like I think you had like three or four goats in the front yard and yeah. <laughs> you were just starting to add. <laughs> that was our uh that was definitely our starter farm yeah. out in Virginia. Just getting the hang of, uh, yeah, man, back then I was milking goats twice a day and <laughs> now I have kids. They do all that stuff. Nice. That's why you got so many and do all the farm work, right? Yep. So this is your second daughter. Is that right? Second daughter. Okay, yep. Cool. And then, yeah, we Kiddo were number still... seven daughter. Wow. Number two. Are you guys done? Or are you going to go for more? Probably we are done. Okay, cool. Seven's a good number. Seven's a good, good even number, right? Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, well, yeah, man. Um, give, go ahead and give guys if they hadn't listened to the first episode or hadn't heard of you a brief um, background of yourself, but also kind of um, where your expertise may lie a little bit in the specifically long range, like rifle stuff, um, yeah. kind of context. So, Bill Rapier, I grew up overseas, missionary kid. Uh, Joined the Navy early, age age 17. Folks had to sign for me. Uh, spent 20 years in a month in the Navy, the majority of that time in the SEAL teams, uh, and did a lot, of, a lot of varied stuff in the SEAL teams. Specifically, what we're going to be talking about today is distance shooting. So I uh, was a you know, SEAL sniper. I uh, actually didn't make it through sniper school my first time. <laughs> actually <laughs> failed out the first time uh, for stalking, of all things. But what does that uh, mean? So you have, uh -oh, so you failed that part it's of it broken into two, uh, or you're great on a bunch of different stuff, but the two big ones are shooting and stocking the okay. shooting. I did very well in the stocking. Uh, the standard is you start, I don't know, a thousand or 1200 meters away from, from your target. And then you had to get 200 or 200 yards plus or minus 20, uh, without being detected and then fire two shots without mm. being detected the whole time. And on your second shot, you've already got a guy that's within two yards of you pointing at where you are. And so, and, and you've got guys on, on binos looking for you. So the wow. whole time you, you can't be seen. So I kind of, I didn't play the game properly. Uh, the first time I went through that, I was 
too concerned with with having a really good shooting position uh, versus you know the 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 game is 200 yards plus or minus 20 and don't be detected so uh so yeah that was really hard hard on me failing that the first time and went back some uh, serious patience yeah, I went back about a year later and played the game, and I think I was walked on once during my stocks, and it was out in Nyland, out in the desert. And the guy told me afterwards, he's like, "I couldn't see you, but uh, you were the only bush in the desert." So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, so I've been been involved with with uh, you know precision rifle shooting for a while. Uh, I was a you know I was, so I was a sniper in in uh, one of my platoons. And then was a recce team leader for a while, so so did it for multiple years as as my full time gig. Nice, uh, both on the shooting and on the reconnaissance side of things. So, how did you so, like that job as compared to other jobs you did? I really enjoyed it. Honestly, it wasn't so. I mean, I, I enjoy the distance shooting, but for for the actual work that I was doing, it was much more the. Uh, the scout, you know, a lot of times sniper school will be called scout sniper school. And what mm-hmm. we were doing was much more of the scout side of things where we would kind of figure out routes in and out and do do a lot of that planning and then, you know, lead lead all the guys in and, in and out of a target. And I, I really enjoyed doing that aspect of it. Nice. That's cool, man. So then when, when you got out, um, do you still do some um, just tell guys about like or do you do any competitive stuff or are you just focusing mainly on training so other guys? I so th- there is a great so for guys that are getting into us into this there is a series called the precision rifle series prs um and it is one of the fastest growing gun games if you will that are out there right now uh i have not shot prs matches i've shot with a fair amount of guys that, that do shoot prs matches and yeah. there's definitely a ton to be learned uh the equipment has really grown by leaps and bounds because of that game, because guys, you know, stuff that 20 years ago would have been really, really expensive only, you know, in the custom rifle side of things Mm -hmm. now is, is pretty standard. You know, you can, you can get really amazing equipment right now and for very, very inexpensive compared to what it was 20 years ago. And that's just because so many guys are, are shooting this these PRS matches. So for any of the guys, if, if you think you want to get into this, that can be a good way. I mean, obviously, come train with me. I can teach yeah. some of this stuff. Uh, but uh, you know, like I, I realize, not everyone's going to be able to do that, and and it, it's not hard. Just show up at a P, at a local PRS match or a, a club style PRS match, and you will learn a ton about yeah. shooting distance. You got a um, a course coming up, don't you? I do have a course coming up here in about a month in Goldendale, Washington. So if guys are interested in, uh, in shooting distance, this is a precision rifle course. So we will go through understanding, you know, how to dial your come ups onto your rifle, uh, understanding mills, mill radian, understanding minutes of angle, uh, reading the wind, uh, being able to dial or hold for, for wind, uh, understanding ballistics, all that stuff we, we will cover during this course. And I think we can shoot out to like 16 or 1800 yards at this range. So it's a pretty nice. good, uh, pretty good range. It's out in yeah. Goldendale, Washington. And for guys that are, you know, other side of the country, honestly, it's, it's not flying with firearms is not hard. You'd, you'd fly into yeah. Spokane or Seattle. I'd recommend Spokane out of those two. And it's a couple hour drive from there. So. Nice. So that'd be the mid August. 
Yeah, mid-August. And AmtechShooting.com, if, if guys are you know want to check that out, that, yeah, that's man. where you would sign up for the class. Yeah, I wish I could go, but since I can't, I figured we could dive into some of that stuff um, today, hopefully. And um, again, like, you know, we're kind of more in the hunting realm than PRS, but there's still so much crossover, you know, especially a lot of guys out West are, I'm not into the super long range hunting thing. Some guys are, but um, that's kind of another topic. But I guess um, the way I was kind of thinking to approach it was start kind of with hardware and um, kind of some of your recommendations, um, both from someone who maybe wants to um, build a, um, a good, accurate hunting rifle without, you know, going way overboard budget wise. And a lot of guys are also thinking about weight. So a lot of guys aren't trying to lug a 15 pound rifle into the backcountry, you know? Um, and then maybe after that, like some tips on maybe some upgrades guys could do on their existing hunting rifles to get the most accuracy out of them. Yeah. So first off, I guess just to touch on, uh, it's not, you know, we're talking hunting, we're not talking precision rifle shooting that's absolutely correct you're going to if you're if you're trying to shoot a piece of steel at 1200 yards and you miss who cares right right i mean in the in the grand scheme of things right or if you you know you just nick the side of it well you still hit the thing yeah uh when we're talking hunting uh we really need to cut our distances significantly down unless we're talking like, you know, shooting varmints or whatever, you know, shooting animals that we're just trying to get rid of. Yeah. But if we're trying to ethically take animals then you really need to cut down by half or at least by a third, what you would, what confidently you would normally shoot. Uh, and that's just because it's, it's, it's our responsibility as, as hunters to be ethical, you know, to try and harvest the animals as cleanly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what I will say though is that if you if you can consistently if you can shoot out to twelve or fourteen hundred yards, which is kind of with my baseline of recommendation, I'll go over in a little bit here. Like a baseline recommendation that I'll do for a guy that wants to go to a precision rifle course. This is not a break the bank uh, setup. Uh, if you can shoot 12 to 1400 yards with that setup, then making a 600 yard shot, all of a sudden it, it changes what your perception of a long shot is yeah right if you're used to being able to do everything that you need to do to make a sick or to make a 12 or 1400 yard shot then all of a sudden if you do all those same things and set up for a 600 yard shot you're just like man 600 yards this is, this yeah. is super easy for me so i would encourage you guys even if you're coming at it from the hey this is i'm an ethical hunter i'm never going to make a shot beyond you know, you name it, what, you know, d depending on your ability and your equipment, I'm never going to shoot beyond that. Uh, you, still there is value in shooting some PRS or, or just going out into the mountain, you know, like where we live, we, you know, you're allowed to shoot on state or, or uh, national forest and, mm -hmm. you know, set up, set up some further targets or go, go find a range where you can shoot some further distance and yeah. go, go get confident with those further distances like that. For sure. Uh, so I guess first off setups, <sighs> setups have come a long way. So for, first off, we want a gun that will shoot one minute of angle. One minute of angle is one inch at a hundred yards. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be correspond two inches at 200, three inches at 300 and on down the line. 
it's kind of it's always been the standard within within recce or, or sniper use to have a a minute gun uh if you really geek out on hand loading there are guys that are like minute gun pff, that's <laughs> you know we we have quarter minute guns yeah. right and you can you can really you know nerd out on it and i, I don't oh, yeah. mean that disrespectfully i just mean like you have to you really have to be into that yeah uh to to get down to that level but you but you can absolutely do that uh for most hunting applications a minute gun is is fine and you can find good factory ammo that i mean that, that's that's another huge uh thing that we have now is is solid hunting options that will fly straight for a long ways yeah uh so first off we want a minute gun now whether whether you end up running a you know a less expensive remington model 700 uh you know that that's a five to six hundred dollar gun depends on which which gun you get like mm -hmm. you which remington does guns. not exist anymore by the way did did it go under mm -hmm. wow. well some someone will buy it and it will yeah it'll but come I'm just i mean there's there's so many that no that's that's it's kind of sad huh yeah it is really uh but there's there's a bunch of yeah. you know good rifles in, and you can get stuff in that that lower price point. Uh, so you need a good uh, a minute gun. You need next you you're going to need quality rings, mm. right? So the rings is, is I'm just building it off off of the rifle. Yeah. If you if you have a really nice rifle and a really nice piece of glass, and then you've got garbage rings, yeah, mating the two together then that will cause big problems. So get, get quality rings. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll cost you a hundred, $200 yeah. right in there. So it's that's not, something not that guys just like a lot of times just don't even worry about or think about. But like you said, that completely can ruin your entire system. Absolutely. You're, like last I've year, had rings shear off on me before. Yeah. Um, it's actually one of the first things that I do now. If I have, if my gun is, is, doing you know acting erratically or a student's gun is doing that i will grab either the barrel or the upper receiver and i'll grab the whatever optic they have on it and i'll try and shake it and see if i can if i can shake it loose hmm. uh because that, that's the fast way to figure out yeah. you know if you're if you're loose or the whole thing comes off when you shake it like that like you just saved yourself a bunch of time and ammo yeah oh uh, so good quality rings and then next would be good quality glass yeah this is one where guys generally they're fine with spending decent money on a gun, uh, and then they put garbage glass mm. on the thing. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Your your <laughs> glass should cost you just as much, if not more, than the rifle. Yeah. In fact, I would with 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 some of the options that are out there today. Uh, I would say spend more money on the glass because the, the cost of rifles has gone down so much. You could easily spend, you know, a thousand to twelve hundred dollars on a, a decent rifle and then two thousand or more on, you know, a, a good scope. Yeah. Uh, and that would. That would probably be better for you most of the time than, than the inverse of that. Yeah. Spending two grand on, on the gun and a thousand on the glass. Yeah. Because uh, if you cannot see what you're shooting at, uh, it, you know it's hard to hit what you're shooting at. Also, if your glass isn't tracking right. Yeah. Next thing I would say specifically. Wait, real for, quick before you jump. Do you yes. have any specific glass recommendations you like? I shoot all Vortex glass. Yeah. I really like their stuff. Uh, 
I used Night Force when I was at work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's funny how I, I look back on it, and when I was active duty, my personal stuff was a lot chintzier. Yeah. The, like I've definitely become a lot more snobbish about the the glass, yeah. and you know, in part it's because you know, at, at the time I had good glass on rifles at work, uh, but now my work relies on you know me, yeah, outfitting <laughs> it with it. good glass. So <laughs> I I really like the Vortex stuff. Loophole also makes good stuff. But uh, the nice thing about Vortex is they they do a really large price point, so you can go anything from you know four hundred ish all the way up to you know twenty five to low low threes. Yeah, uh, and obviously you know corresponding quality, but sure. pretty cool that you can get a first focal plane mil mil scope now for in the four hundred dollar range from you know from Vortex, which yeah. is pretty pretty amazing i mean that was when i was working first focal plane wasn't even a thing so and just mm -hmm. to explain what that is so uh when you are looking through your scope mm -hmm. you have either you know the, the most basic would just be a set of crosshairs or i guess even more basic than that the europeans sometimes just have a post just a single post in mm -hmm. that. Uh, but that's not not common in the states so Generally in the States, you'd have crosshairs. You might have duplex crosshairs, which means they're finer in the center. And then you get about halfway to the side and it's a big fat line. Yeah. Just helps helps line your eye up with it a little bit more or attract your eye to it. Uh, then the, the next level of complexity would have to be to have either a bullet drop compensator or either mill hash marks or minute hash marks. Now, I am not a proponent of BDCs hmm. and, and, and for hunters, I would say it, it's actually, if, if you're going to have one gun and one load and you're just going to know what the holds are on that, you can get away with a BDC. But I personally don't like BDCs cause they're very much, they're a generalist tool. Yeah, for sure. It's basically an engineer sat down and said, well, I think, this 270 is going to be shooting this many foot a second with this heavy of a bullet yeah. and the trajectory of the bullets doing this. And therefore hundred yards is going to be here. 200 yards is going to be here. It's a really, it, it's a guess from an engineer. Sure. Once you understand how to do ballistics, it, it ends up just getting in the way. I, I can't stand any of, of my BDC reticles. <laughs> uh, I, I only have a few. Uh, it works programmatically. Like if, if you're the army and everyone's shooting the same gun and the same ammo, yeah. like, or, you know, it works for that. It works for, if you're into this very, very surface level, you're like, ah, I'm going to sight my gun in at 200 yards as per, you know, the manufacturer recommends for this piece of glass. And maybe I'll shoot, you know, a piece of steel at 400 someday. And if I don't, whatever, you know, like yeah. if like that's your level of involvement, then BDC can be good. Uh, or if you're just, hey, this is, I'm going to have this one gun and I'm only going to shoot this gun and I'm going to learn it really, really well. Yeah. Then a BDC can be good. But if you, if you're going to go cross platforms, well, I've got this gun for doing that, you know, my pronghorn gun, and then I've got my planes game gun for Africa, and then I've got my Alaska gun, you know, it's much better just to understand what your ballistics do. Yeah. Get a mil mil or a minute minute scope. And I would recommend a mil mil scope uh, just because so many more people are using mil. They're both just units of measure, a mil radian or a minute of angle. Uh, but you want, 
you want to shoot what everyone else is shooting and overwhelmingly everyone else is shooting mill equipment. If you look at like old binoculars, old Steiner binoculars, they've got mill hash marks in mm, there. If you look okay. at old loophole scopes that had mill hash marks in the glass and still had minute come ups, like that's the equipment that I came up with. Uh, they're still in the glass is mill, mill radium. Gotcha. So, uh, once you understand the system, right. It, it, and you can plug into your ballistic computer. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm shooting a bullet that's going this fast. It weighs this much. It has this ballistic coefficient, um, and I'm at this density altitude. It'll give you a firing solution that is way more accurate than, than you know, the engineer's best right. guess sure. for the, for that BDC. So I would recommend get a, a mill mill scope with some sort of a drop down reticle on it. Drop down reticle or guys will call them a Christmas tree reticle. There's, there's a bunch of good ones out there. Uh, probably within the military, the Horus or uh, the tremor three is probably the most popular one right now within yeah. the mill circles. I like the EBR seven C reticle. That's the one that vortex does or the EBR two C reticle. It's basically just, it has a, it has hash marks going down. So we've got our crosshairs and then we have just tick marks going down It'll have numbers on there as well. That's really important so that you can see, oh man, I got to make a, you know, a three and a half mil hold. So you're not trying to count each right. mil hash mark. You, you go, oh, there's there. a three hash mark below it's a half and send it. And then you've got wind dots that go out to the side. And yeah. those will be, it varies. Some companies will put, you know, 0.2 milliradian wind, min dot, wind dots. Some will do half, half mil wind dots. Um, but then that that allows you to precisely go, okay, well, my wind is doing this. This is what my hold is. I'm going to hold on this wind dot and send it. Okay. Other than, if you don't do that, you either have to dial wind, which I don't recommend because guys end up forgetting that they dialed yeah. their wind onto their glass and then yeah. they miss mm -hmm. uh, when, the, when the conditions change. Uh, and also your your windage turrets can get can get spun i actually Moved. recommend taping your windage turrets mm. you know just just get some good uh gorilla tape and tape them in place and then just shoot shoot holds for your wind okay uh so a good good piece of glass and then the last thing would be good ammunition and uh you were also you were explaining the first and second focal plane thing hit that real quick. yeah so a first so we had to take it back just a little bit to understand, you know, to, to have a, understand what units of measure we have in our glass. Now, historically, our scopes were all second focal plane scopes. And what that means is that in the in the glass, your measurement was only true at a certain power. Hmm. For most scopes, it, it was at full power. I've seen some scopes that had it, they have a little dot on your adjustable. And only at that dot is it is it true. Hmm. Uh, now, a first focal plane scope, they start coming out, or I start becoming aware of them maybe, shoot, almost 20 years ago now. Uh, but what it does is it is always true. Hmm. So what that means so any magnification. That is if I'm if I'm shooting a so let's say my on my Razor HD two four and a half to twenty sevens. If I'm on 10 power and and I want to shoot a three and a half minute hold, I just put three and a half minutes on and I shoot it. If I'm at 20 power, it's the same thing. Mm, that's nice. If I had a first folk or a second focal plane scope, I could only shoot holds at a certain power. Mm. And now let's say that's on max power, 27. Well, now I might even, what if it's a 
you know, 300 yard shot and I crank it to 27 power, I might have a hard time even finding what I'm yeah. looking for because of that. And especially right. if I say it's a deer and it's, it's, it's kind of walking a little bit, I'm trying to stay on it and track yep. it a little bit and I'm waiting for it to stop. If I'm on 27 power, it's going to be really hard to see. So that being able to, to dial it down. Now the downside of it is that four and a half to 27 at four and a half, like you've got just a really fine crosshair. You really, you're not shooting any holds off of that. So it doesn't help you a whole lot up close. Yeah. Uh, but it does really help for those medium distance shots to have, you know, have your, your measurements actually be true. Gotcha. Okay. And then I think you were about to go into ammo. Yeah. So ammunition, Black Hills ammunition, Hornady makes great ammunition. Uh, there's a bunch of other companies that do it, but those are kind of the, the top two that I yeah. see within within precision ammo. Uh, you want, depending on what you're shooting, right? We, you should shoot a quality, either a bonded bullet, right? Something that's going to stick together um, and also going to mushroom or yeah. the solid copper, the barns, yeah. the triple shock or the tip triple shock. Like that's kind of uh, what I would recommend. Yeah. So uh, we've been... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say we've been uh my buddy and me um for this Alaska thing, we've been developing a um around hammer bullets. Have you heard of them? I've not. Okay, and it's it's a hundred and twenty four grains, a six point five creedmoor, hundred and twenty four grains, a smaller bullet, but it's a copper monolithic. And yep. like the terminal the terminal um performance on the thing is really good because like you said, it holds its weight, so it has a super, you know, big wound yeah. channel when it goes through there. The other like factory ammo I shoot for like deer and whatnot is uh, that Hornady ELDX Precision Hunter stuff. Great which ammo. Is, yeah, very yeah, accurate. That's, a, that's great ammo. Yeah, but um, I, I you know I get a little bit of meat loss, you know, if I hit in the shoulder because you know when it that lead core bullet it's gonna you know, and yep. you know also you got potentially trace amounts of lead in your meat and you know the it. it kind of destroys that front shoulder so i'd be interested to see how this copper mono uh does on the game this but year they, the, so the, the 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 barnes triple shock bullets they mushroom as well they i mean they fold out into four like really nice big pedals like that so mm. it still will mushroom uh i'd say just be careful with the you know if if it destroys the shoulder and the deer is down right there like that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's not always bad. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> that's the bullets doing its job. Absolutely. Um, so, if there was somebody who, um, let's say, they got a hunting rifle, you know, decent rifle, just decent setup, but they kind of want to get more out of it, like, what's the number one thing you would say um, where they could put a little extra money or invest a little extra to kind of upgrade that thing to get it better? Quality ammo is going to be the first thing. I mean, that, that's the cheapest. You're, you're not changing anything. You know, if, if, uh, go shoot, you know, go, go shoot and see what, which ammo your, your gun likes yeah. the best. Right. And then use, you know, and then look on a ballistic application and, and see which, which one's going to do better for you for, for, you know, what you're doing. Right. If you're, if you're hunting, you know, tree stand virginia it doesn't matter really yeah. <laughs> you know i mean a lot of times it, until you get on over that bean field yeah and now maybe you have to make a you know three four five hundred yard shot yeah. uh, which is doable you know especially you're in a, a supported position like that it, it's, it's absolutely doable yeah. so that would be the first thing is, is is ammunition next thing i would say would be your glass mm. 
you know, look at, at upgrading your glass to something that has a, you know, a drop down reticle on it, uh, figure out what your muzzle velocity is, right? You can get a magneto speed. That's probably the either magneto speed or lap radar is going to be your best chronographs right now. Mm. Uh, but you can, you can buy chronographs on Amazon for like 80 bucks. It will tell you how fast your bullets are going. You need to know that in order to accurately predict where your bullet's going to be at a certain distance. So, right. um, knowing your muzzle velocity is very important. And then, uh, ballistic apps. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I use applied ballistics. That's probably the top one out there right now. Hornady has a, the, the applied ballistic ones you have, you have to pay for. It's like 30 bucks for the app, but it is kind of the, the top one out there. Yeah. The Hornady one is really good and it's also, it's free. So they have an app where you just you plug in what bullet, what muzzle uh, velocity. That's nice. And it, it will give you your your trajectory. So nice. that's a really important thing. Okay. Uh, next would be just little things to build your positions, right? So that's another thing from the PRS game that we've gotten now is, is phenomenal tripods. Mm. Uh, really right stuff makes... They're actually a camera yeah. company, uh, and they have a whole division now to sell to you know a whole like tactical division because <laughs> so many gun guys started buying their carbon fiber tripods. Yeah, I mean it's game changing. Yeah, you can. Uh, was it a couple of years ago? I was teaching a course out in Georgia, and I'm demoing 800 yards standing shots on on IPSC, full IPSC targets at 800 yards in front of students not and it's not even it's not a you know look at me this is amazing yes yeah. hey guys look at this equipment like when I, I i lock you know i've got this solid tripod i lock my rifle into it i get my sling set up so i'm actually like sitting on my sling waiting that thing and it's like man that is it is rock solid uh is that from a seated oh you said standing no so that's from standing wow yeah dang, yeah dude. so that's one of those things you know again going back to if you can, if you're doing that all day long and it's, it's not hard at 800 yards. Now, when you are driving along, like in our area, like a lot of hunting is guys will drive along, you know, the fire, fire roads and, you know, and then sit someplace in glass and you might have to make a cross Canyon shot. Yeah. Well, if you've got, you can have your tripod already set up with, with your binos or whatever, and then, you know, swap it out for, uh, for your spotting scope to check out, you know, the quality of the animal. And then, and then you plop your rifle on there. And, you know, if you're confidently doing that 800 yards on steel, well now 400 yards doesn't seem very, yeah, very far. Yeah. I've been getting on the that. Uh, just, uh, you know, we always start off shooting off our bellies, mm -hmm. right? We, we, you know, either get a bipod or shoot off of a backpack, you know, the, the forward, support is most important which is why you know we have a bipod and then we'll initially we'll just have our hand behind the gun like that or we could have like a bean bag or, or some sort of a, yeah. a bag or a puff jacket if you don't want to carry a bean bag with you that's normally what i do i'll have, I'll have a jacket back there yeah a little bit more dual purpose so we, we start off with that that's where you that's where you see what you're actually capable of doing mm -hmm. right because when you're when you're on your belly and you've got forward support and, and rear support the gun should not be moving at all. And so that's where you see what you're actually capable of doing. Yeah. 
when, once we deviate from that, so if I'm looking at a seated shot, I have to say I, I, I pop the rear QD on my sling, I wrap it around a tree, I build my backpack up underneath my stock, right? And I'm in there, you know, I'm C-clamp gripping, you know, the, the my sling and I'm pushing into the side of the tree and say I'm at 400 yards and my crosshairs are rock solid. They're not moving at all. Well, that's the same thing as with when I'm laying on my belly. Mm-hmm. If I build that same position and I'm watching my crosshairs just like, you know, kind of move all over the place yeah. like that, then I've, I've got no business taking that shot Yeah. right now. And, and so you have to learn what you can get away with. So if I, if, if I put my crosshairs on there and I'm moving, say, from one end of the ethical kill box to the other end of the ethical kill box, okay, right? I'll, I'll probably go ahead and take that shot. Yeah. Um, but it's really important. We can self-analyze if if it's even a you know because you might be able to make the shot at 600 yards, but then you set the thing up and you're going from over the top of the animal's back to you know it's down to its knee and back up again. Yeah. It's like well, you got no business taking that shot because right. you're just it's it's luck if you if yeah. you make it at that point. Yeah. And, and but and again, you can only do that if you know what the distance is. Right. And you know what your bullet's doing at that distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So anyways, like, so, but okay. Before we like move on from kind of hardware stuff. Um, and that's, that's impressive. 800 yards standing on a tripod. So I started messing with the tripod this year. I'm running this, uh, this company called two vets tripods or carbon fiber, you know, veteran owned, um, nice tripods, but, um, with like a triclops saddle. Um, yeah. And I'm, you know, my MER maximum effective range with that thing is significantly less than laying prone, but it is, it is helpful. And I do want to actually kind of dive into like some tripod technique a little later, but before we go there, so what are your kind of top two or three favorite cartridges for hunting? I know this is like a big, a big topic, but (laughs) if you had to pick two or three, (laughs) uh, 301 mag and 308 probably i mean okay. it, it just you know going historically it, as you know moving forward I'm, I'm telling more and more guys hey just get get a 6.5 creed because it's you know I, I would feel a little like i'd rather i'd much rather have my win mag than than a 6.5 for elk but for right. everything smaller than that you know the 6.5 is just it's so flat shooting it bucks the wind so well there's such an availability of quality ammunition for mm-hmm. it. It's low recoil, right? Which means I'm more likely to be able to see where my hit was or where yeah. my miss was. Uh, doesn't beat you up, right? So we can start off with younger shooters. I mean, there's just there's so much uh, with that. Yeah. So yeah, it, probably six five, and then and then three hundred one mag is still just it, it's a good good availability of of cartridge good yeah. hard hitting cartridge you can shoot distance with it uh yeah probably those cool. two three seven five if you're gonna go to africa that's the one you nice. need yeah <laughs> that's a different different game there um all right so we hit the hardware pretty good um now, you know, obviously we're not gonna be able to get into everything because it's just a, a limited time here on a podcast. It's not a full on PRS course, but kind of getting down into technique and form, um, you know, from a high level, where are you starting guys off? Like, uh, you know, in your courses and stuff like that, or what, is, what are some of your top kind of tips for, for technique? 
to as with anything else in shooting or fighting, there is no secret sauce when it comes to when it comes to any of this stuff. It's it's fundamentals. I mean, you start guys off with you zeroing the rifles at 100 yards. I was going to ask you that. So you a hundred or two hundred zero guy? Hundred. Okay. Yeah, hundred on everything because it keeps it just keeps it more consistent. There's there's never a point where I need to do a hold under. Yeah. Uh, so it's just it's it's easier to to keep to keep everything consistent that way. Yeah. So I do a hundred yard zeros, and again, it's because I I know what my right, I know what my zero is, and then I know what my holds are. Yeah. At different distances, or I know what my come ups are. Uh, if you're like, uh, hey, I do a 200 yard zero and I hold a little high or a little low, depending on, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that so that that's where that would make sense. And really, what you're going for there is a maximum point blank range, right? Zero, you know, which, well, so for that, what you could do, you might say, okay, I'm hunting deer and, you know, I think uh, an eight inch you know, ethical kill box is what I want to be able to do. So I want to be able to put the crosshairs in the center of that box Mm -hmm. and it's never going to be more than four inches above the crosshairs or four inches below that. Right. Um, So you can take averages and a bunch of people have done the math before, or you could take your particular bullet and then it will tell you, go ahead and zero the rifle at 273 yards. Also (laughs) not practical for most people to, to, to go and, you know, I mean, you might be able to do it if you're, you know, if you have access to ag land, you know, put, put a target up right at that. And then, you know, okay, I can shoot from zero to four and a quarter and I'm either four inches high or four inches low. That would be a maximum point blank range zero right there. Again, I don't like doing that because yeah. it's, to me, it's too much of a generalist. I want to be able to know precisely what my, what my round is doing. Yeah. Uh, so you start guys off with hundred yard zeros and then you know, you look at the equipment that they have, you know, gun, rings, glass, ammunition. You look at their shooting position. Are they are they doing all the fundamentals of marksmanship? You know, so really that that's the most basic place to start with is fundamentals of marksmanship. And then we'll talk about, you know, forward support, rear support, and get guys doing doing dot drills, right? shooting shooting one inch pasties shooting three or five inch group three or five round groups at one inch pasties mm-hmm. can you keep all of them touching the paste right are you are you able to, to you know to work through that uh that would be the first thing because if you're shooting a five inch group you know with with a with a minute gun well then we're not going to go much past 300 yards because at that you know at at 300 yards that five inch group is now a 15 inch group yeah you know because it's it's it we've multiplied that times three so first off we got to get guys shooting with that while all that's going on i'll I'll have guys chrono rifles and then start plugging and i'll help guys uh populate their ballistic computers yeah uh that way it's not just a guess well what's my 200 yard it's my 300 yard then I, in a, in a perfect world, once you have your hundred yard zero, you would true truing. It is basically taking the, so you, you plug in all that info into your ballistic computer, what your muzzle velocity is, what the weight of your bullet is, what the ballistic coefficient of your bullet is, all the atmospheric data, all that stuff gets plugged in to a computer. And then it tells you for that particular round, okay, you should true at 
500, 1,200, and 2,100 yards, which is impractical for most people. So you pick two, you know, two distances. Say, say you've got a 1,200 yard range. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna true at maybe 800 and 1,200 yards, mm-hmm. something like that. Depending on if what the bullet's doing. If the bullet's right in the transonic range, I might bump it a little bit forward, or I might bump it back a little ways because yeah. I want, I want at least two numbers before the bullet goes transonic, and then one number after it goes transonic. Transonic is just that that time about 100 and 100-ish foot per second on either end of the round crossing the supersonic barrier. Okay. Because the bullet will fly very consistently as it's going as it's you know as it leaves the the barrel. It's going supersonic or if we're talking any kind of distance shooting it's, it's we're, we're talking supersonic camera. Yeah. Uh and then about 100 foot a second before it reaches the speed of sound, the bullet starts acting a little bit crazy okay. or erratic. And then up until about 100 foot per second after that supersonic range. And then a lot of times the bullet will kind of restabilize. Hmm. So if I can, I'm going to get two truing distances before and then one after. Okay. A little bit rabbit, maybe a little bit more information than, than yeah. your average hunter <laughs> needs. For sure. Um, but if, if like it's, it's good to understand and kind of. Yeah. Maybe this will will cause some guys to 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 dig a little bit deeper yeah. with some of the stuff. So what what we would do then? What truing is? So the computer tells us, hey, at 700 yards, you're going to have a 5.3 mil hold on this target. You shoot a five round group at 700 yards with you dialed 5.3 mils, and let's say you're a mil. Eh, that'd be a little bit much. Let's say you're half a mil high. Mm-hmm. Now you would dial, so you dial half a mil down on on your glass. You'd shoot it again, and you're like, yep, I'm, I've confirmed this. I'm in there. Now you go back into your ballistic program, and you tell the, the computer, hey, you told me this, but it's actually this. Gotcha. And then it will extrapolate that above and below that distance-wise. Mm. The more numbers you put in, so if you shoot that at 7, and then you shoot it again at 12, and then again at 17, something like that, the more it can refine that and be even better for you. Gotcha. Uh, so that's what truing it is. So that that the coolest way that I've seen this done is with a truing bar. Uh, I got this from a guy named Brian Morgan. Uh, he's one of the was one of the top PRS guys out there, and now he's him and uh, Todd Hodnett are probably the two top distance guys. So if you want to if you want to learn to shoot distance, yeah. Uh, you know, th- those are the top guys in the world for, for teaching it. Good luck getting into their classes. <laughs> uh, but, but if you like, um, those would be, those are the top guys though to go to for, for distance shooting. Okay. So a truing bar is just going to be, so say I'm, I'm, I have my, my range and, and, and I'm going to shoot or I'm, I'm going to true at 700 and I'm going to true at 1200. So we would make a seven minute high target and a 21 minute wide target so we want it one minute high and three Three minutes wide wide. so that tells you if if you're if you're consistently tagging this this piece of steel at 700 yards so seven it's seven inches high that gives you the the you're you're shooting within the one minute standard right there and it's three minutes wide 
because most of the time we got a little bit of wind going on and for the wind, we can just discount that. Oh yeah. I hit the right edge. Well, okay. My wind call wasn't good, but I'm still, I'm on the truing bar, which means my come up is correct. Right. Uh, so we would we start off with zero rifles. We teach fundamentals marksmanship. Then we would true our rifles and then we would just walk them out on yard lines and see, Hey, where does your system top out? Yeah. Right. We're, which with a kind of baseline, I'm, I'm interested on the precision rifle side of things. Right. What, what I tell guys is, Hey, Ruger precision rifle costs you about 1100 bucks, a vortex PST two about, uh, about the same amount of money. Uh, you get those two and quality ammo and you're going to top out between 12 and 1400 yards. Hmm. That is phenomenal compared to, yeah. you know, 20 years ago when I was doing this for work and we had guns that cost, you know, they were custom rifles that would have cost three to five times that much. Yeah. And we were topping out at that. That was a far shot back then. Now, yeah. I mean, literally day one guys are topping out between 12 and 1400 yards. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so, do you so we but we start off on our bellies yeah and we just work it out hey how far out can you shoot and basically that'll take a full day or or a day and a half and then once guys know what they can do then I'll teach different positions right so shooting you know building a kneeling position with with a tripod building a kneeling position with two backpacks and a tree Build, you know, and just all the building a standing position with a tripod, build it, you know, build it with, with sticks shooting off of a, like a three rail fence shooting off of, you know, a, a T post, like that kind of stuff. What, yeah. what can you get away with? How can you stabilize? And then mostly it's just teaching principles is once you understand, okay, I can shoot 1400 yards with this particular setup, you know, that's everything is perfect. And that's where, like, that's the edge of my ability. Yeah. 1,500 yards, it falls apart on me. Okay. So now you know that when everything's perfect, you can shoot that far. Well, now we build in, you know, some inherent instability of you know, you're shooting off of a T-post, you're shooting off a three-board fence. Well, you know, so what are, the, what are the little cheats? What are the little techniques that we can use mm. um, to improve our position, you know, to be able to shoot as close as we can fully yeah. understand that you're not going to shoot, you know, off of a standing off of, off of anything. You're not going to shoot unless you're, you're standing off of a, you know, you've got a giant wall, you know, brick wall in front of you and you're able to support the front of the gun completely, the rear of the gun completely. Then, yeah. then yeah, then you should be able to do the same type of thing. Yeah. But that's, again, that's going back to understanding principles, being able to look through your crosshairs, go, okay, what, how do I have any movement? Yeah. Like when I lock myself in, right. If you, I mean, you could do this with two tripods, you could have a front tripod and a rear tripod and you could get behind the thing and you're like, man, I, this thing is not moving at all. Okay. Check. Then you should be able to shoot the same type of, or very close to the same type of distance that you're going to shoot off your belly. Yeah. All right. So more stuff like on like technique and stuff, a couple of quick, like little questions I had for you. So do you do you are you one of those guys that has like a standard standardized breathing kind of routine or what's your what's your philosophy on on breathing when it comes to like trigger pull? Yes, yeah, so, I mean that is that's part of fundamentals marksmanship right there. That you you have a procedure that you do every time you shoot. Okay. And when guys first start off, right when we talk about the competency 
or competency levels, right? We all start off with unconscious incompetence. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Then we keep training for a little bit or we train for a little bit. And you're like, wow, there's this whole world of say, you know, distance shooting and I am clueless. Yeah. Right. That would be conscious incompetence. Then you train for a while and you get to a level of conscious competence. Okay. If I get behind it now, what are my steps? Okay. I have to, I have to line my body upright and I have to pull the gun into me and I have to rear support. And then I take deep breath in all the way out, squeeze, squeeze. That would be conscious competence. If I think about it, I can do it. What yeah. we want to get to is unconscious competence. I need to shoot that. And I just, I do all of those steps. I don't have to think about that. What I'm thinking about is I have to make this shot right yeah. now. Uh, breathing yeah. <laughs> is absolutely like, that is one of the first thing. That's why we start off with fundamentals marksmanship. So it's getting your, getting your body position down, getting a good natural point of aim down, getting to where you're not having to like, I mean, that part of that goes into setup of the rifle. If every time yeah. you get behind the gun, you're having to crane your neck forward or pull it back or do something wonky like that. It's, you're not going to have a good natural point of aim. You're going to fatigue your neck. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to have eye strain potentially like all these things will cause issues for you. So, you know, we need to set the rifle up so that we're relaxed when we're behind the gun. Then we need to have good natural, natural point of aim so that when we shoot that recoil is pushing straight through our body. We're not shooting off to the side like this. And all we've got is our shoulder behind the thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the breathing is deep breath in all the way out to that completely relaxed position and then squeeze, squeeze, squeeze until the shot breaks. Okay. So like yeah. all, all those things are very, very like you need to be doing that before you're talking about any kind of distance shooting. Yeah. You have to be able, you know, that that's part of shooting a good group. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, I, that's stuff that like, so when I wanted to get you on here is like, you know, I realized that, um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was taking it for granted. It's just like it was that uh, unconscious incompetence or whatever. Like I just didn't know because I didn't know anything. I mean, I only started really shooting rifles seriously like a year ago because, you know, the place I grew up, we, we couldn't shoot rifles to hunt. So I was a bow hunter. And yeah. then it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, you just like, you know, put the crosshair on there and shoot it. And then <laughs> you know, I knew nothing. And so last year was a huge learning curve and learning process. And then even this, I've gotten way better um, actually we ran a range today, coincidentally earlier with my buddy for, before our Alaska trip. And, um, so I'm, I'm much more confident and feeling good, but I just, I've, I've never, except for what my buddies kind of taught me, I've never been trained like on marksmanship really, you know? Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to dive into some of the fundamentals and stuff. So like in terms of, um, you know, trigger pull, what do you kind of coach guys that might be kind of slapping at the trigger a little bit? Yeah, it should be a slow. So, I mean, so the, 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 at the most basic level, fundamentals marksmanship, good natural point of aim. So you're laying behind the gun and you've got, if you, if you drew a line through your barrel, it should go straight through your body, right? It shouldn't be at, a, at an angle like this. It should be going straight through like that. So that's the first thing. Um, you shouldn't be having to hold, you shouldn't have to be using any type of, of muscle to hold the rifle in place. If we're talking true, hey, I'm, I'm going to try and shoot this thing out as far as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot hold the thing as steady as a bipod can or as your ruck, you know, your backpack yeah. can, or a front bag or rear bag can. Uh, so that, that would be the next thing. Then if I do have a front bag, I'm going to 
I'm going to rear support right here. I'm going to get my finger on the trigger, right? I'm going to cut the trigger in half or cut the, the last pad of my trigger finger in half with the trigger. I'm not going to be what we used to call dragging wood at sniper school. I'm not going to have any, any other finger involvement mm. on the trigger. And I'm just going to lightly grip the thing and I'm slowly going to squeeze. I'm going to talk to myself while I'm doing this and tell myself, squeeze, 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 right? I'm never just coming up and just going like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's always okay. I'm getting on there. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. It should surprise you when the shot breaks, mm. even if you have a really light trigger pull, which I recommend if you're going to shoot distance, uh, you know, a lighter trigger pull is the way to go. Yeah. I mean, you still like, you need to do bump tests and whatnot, right? You take an unloaded rifle, put the weapon on fire and, you know, slam it down onto a semi-hard surface. If your trigger is too light, it will go off and that that's unsafe. Like you yeah. can't, and guys will do that. You know, a lot of times guys will home gunsmith on, on triggers and oh man, this is a sweet trigger. It ends up being an unsafe trigger, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, firearm safety is more important than anything else Yeah. within, even when we're talking about using it to protect yourself and your family. Yeah. You know, the, the safety side of thing is way more important than, than, than anything else. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, hold on. Do it for me. I forgot. <laughs> um, so yeah, safety is obviously number one. Um, real quick, your tips for specifically shooting off a tripod. The so, fundamentals of that kind of. I mean, of so it, it really depends. Like, you know, shooting off a tripod is a. From seated. You could do a multiple day class just off of tripod use. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, but like so, crash uh, course from seated position tripod. So if you're doing a seated position, I would actually flip it around. So if I'm standing, I'll normally have it so that the apex of the triangle is is lined up with the muzzle, and that's so that recoil is going to be more straight. If you're doing a seated shot, you can actually kick one of the legs of the tripod out. You're right. So the apex of that triangle, I would have it going kind of off a little bit to towards my right side and you can actually hook your leg over it hmm. uh you can't full-on sit on those carbon fiber ones but on the good ones you can put a lot of weight onto your tripod and so that's going to allow you to manage recoil a lot better hmm. uh also like i i recommend the not the hog saddle ones that that clamp because they weigh more they, they are more they're 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 more practical in the terms of you can slap any rifle on it yeah but they don't hold it in place nearly as well and they weigh a lot more yeah so the i like the ball heads where i can either clip uh arca rail in that's kind of that's the new like prs standard it's actually yeah. a photography standard uh, but they're putting them on all the prs guns now or some of them have arca rail or pick rail that you can put on yeah um, so when you clamp that thing in, it's, it's, it's less, you know, your ball head can be smaller and lighter, and then you're actually locked into the thing as well. It's not like it, it can come loose on you. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll put my leg over it depending on, on for seated ones. Generally, you don't need to do sling involvement as much, but you might, if you're, if you're like, man, I'm still unsteady, uh, get, get the sling in there as well. If you're still, if there's any kind of play here, you might build a backpack or a rear bag into your position as well. Um, and all that can be is, is you're kind of, you might be sitting slightly sideways. Uh, you've got a leg hitched over 
the 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 apex leg of the the the, the tripod, and that's that's really it's more for your recoil management yeah. and your faster follow-up shot. Cause if you make your shot, let's say you're, you're taking a shot that is at the edge of your ability and you want to see where your round goes. Sure. Uh, so I guess on, on that, having a compensator on your, your gun would be another thing that, that I would recommend. Like on my two sixty, I've got a area four one nine comp on there. I can watch holes appear at a hundred yards, mm. which is amazing. Uh, so the comps, they do their job. They're not fun for other people around you. Uh, but, you know, the, the fastest way that you fix yourself after a miss is if you see where your miss was. Yeah. You know, totally. it's nice if your buddy tells you, hey, come half a mil left and half a mil up. But it's way easier if you see that and you just superimpose and you pull the trigger. Yeah. Uh, so having that. Uh, yeah, so th- those would be the the big things that I would I would say. You know, build yeah. build your position to the be- you know forward support most important, and the next is going to be rear support, and yeah. then just test and go. Okay, was this is this good? The other thing I would say is don't be afraid to switch shoulders. Mm. I've uh, you know when, once you realize that hey, all I have to do is pull the trigger. Yeah, right. That the I've built some positions off of skis. And, you know, just trees and they weren't crazy far, you know, they were like 300 yard ish shots, you know, shoot, shooting steel targets. Um, but I, I end up, I, I, I wrap it. And then just the way this particular tree was, it's like, man, I couldn't get in there off my right shoulder. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Let me give this a shot and end up shooting at left shoulder. And it's like, it's not, not a big deal. Once yeah. you have, you know, I think, I don't remember if I was using ski poles for rear support on that or not, but like, Basically, once you understand principles, you know, try and attach the gun to something solid in front yeah. and then build something solid in the back. Yeah. And then all you have to do, if, if you can do that to where it is completely solid, the thing's not moving at all, then all you have to do is pull the trigger. Yeah. So who cares if you're pulling the trigger with your left hand or your right hand? Yeah. Right. As long as I can get behind there and not have scope shadow. Right. I mean, so there obviously there's some training sure. involved with us. Uh, but it's not a, it's not a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then, so are you doing okay on time? Yes. Okay. Um, so, and just a side note, like this is all good stuff. Um, you know, we want to try to keep it a little more approachable for like, you know, dudes that are like just hunting and basically want to keep it like four or 500 yards, you know? So but just keep is, that in mind. It all, it all translates. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, I know. You don't have, like, you don't have to, you know, if you can do it at a thousand yards yeah. at 400 yards is, is nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, and these little things of, you know, using your sling, like rear QD pop, pop your rear QD off, wrap it around, you know, a, a forward support. Right. That's, that's an easy thing. Most hunters have QD. Well, actually, I don't know. Everyone that I see now has QDs on their, on their, on their slings. Yeah. There's the quick detaches. Yeah. Uh, like having that is, you know, costs nothing or costs very little to, to, you know, retrofit your rifle to have, have a quick detach on there. You know, having a VTAC style sling that has an adjustment on it. So now you can, you can cinch down like yeah. all those things are not, they're not very hard, but if you understand it, yeah, 
they, they can really help you build a better position. And then, sure. you know, more importantly with all this stuff is, is being able to judge it yourself, you know, build the best position you can. And then you see your crosshairs are still doing this and like, well, I guess I, I better improve my stocking skills because I don't have a shot yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. So in terms of just like, a pra- you know, practicing effectively, um, I guess, you know, especially in this ammo environment, do you recommend guys do dry fires with snap caps? Yeah, I, I honestly, I dry fire without snap caps. All yeah. the, I mean, people... Or just dry so fire on, in general. So on a, Yeah, so on a twenty two. So people... Well, I mean, there's there's people who will be like, oh my gosh, you're ruining the gun if you're dry firing it. Yeah. The best shooters in the world dry fire a lot. Yeah. Get over it. Dry fire your gun. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is a little bit to be said about if you're dry firing a rim fire, you're, you're dropping the hammer onto, you know, onto metal right. the whole time, right? Uh, but the, the value that you gain from dry firing, I dry fire every single day. Yeah. It's part of the ritual that I do before okay. I load my pistol in the morning is I go through draws, I go through dry fires, I go through non-standard shooting positions. I go I'll go through striking in the drawing like I do it every single day. Yeah. Because we all shoot better warmed up, so why would I not warm up every day? Yeah. I started like incorporating dry, dry fires into my kind of like daily morning routine yeah. as well with my rifle. But with, um with rifle shooting, I think more, if you have a if you have a decent trigger, you kind of take the trigger pull side out of it. Like you don't, I mean, you, you need to work it a little bit, but it's pretty easy working a you know pound and a half trigger versus you know working a five and a half pound trigger yeah. on, on a pistol. Uh, so I, for me, I think the more important is is practicing position building. Mm. Like there'll be times where I've just I, I don't even care about shooting. Like especially if it's if it's closer distances, I'm like. This is not, if I lay down right now, this is an easy shot. Like yeah. I'll make this, you know, 99 times out of a hundred if I lay on my belly right here. Right. So now the question is, can I build a, an improvised shooting position standing? Can I do it off of the front of my ATV? Can I do it, you know, off of the tire of my ATV? You know, just like throw crazy stuff out there, build the position, get behind your gun and you know, you can dry fire it if you want to, but more for me is if I can, if I can build that position, you know, deep breath in all the way out. Mm-hmm. And then my crosshairs don't move for three to five seconds. Like they're rock solid. Okay. I yeah. know I can make that shot now. Nice. You So I don't need to you know, So that would be a great, to me, that that's going to be better than a guy laying on his belly in his, in his living room and and dry firing a rifle yeah. like that you don't get that much i mean do that a couple times and then stop doing that and yeah. you know, build you know build a <laughs> build standing positions. position build a seated position you know build it off of your dining room table yeah build it off of two chairs like do just you know because the more the more times you get reps of of building weird positions yeah the better off you're going to be build it with backpacks but you know build it with your tent Mm. You know, build it with your trekking poles, like all that stuff. That's what you're going to get the the value out of. Sure. Sure, man. So, um, I guess one, you know, one other thing would be, you know, overcoming target panic and like, how would you recommend guys train for shooting with elevated heart rate? You know, that kind of thing. Shoot with an elevated heart rate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's. 
the more you can you can put yourself into stressful situations, right? Yeah. So you cannot you cannot replicate the excitement that you feel if you know you've you're on you know day nine of a ten day hunt and you've been walking up and down you know averaging a couple thousand vertical feet in, in Alaska and now you see this amazing doll sheep like yeah like you can't replicate yeah, that no it's it's impossible but what you can do is you can rep you can put a heavy backpack on and you can go up and down the side of a berm five times as fast as you can and then make the shot from the top of the berm mm. like that's what you can do yeah and that's how and the more times that we place ourselves in you know the oxygen deficit you know some sort of a sprint and then having to build something and you know that the, the more times we can do that the better off we're going to be totally um that made me and then remember right you get into that position <sighs> right just that focused deep breathing yeah. right talking yourself through it okay this is what i'm here to do having a procedure right you don't want to miss you're trying to make a 400 yard shot that's not a hard shot to make but if you don't dial dope or, right. or shoot a hold you're gonna miss yeah so having a mental checklist okay have i dialed my dope you know is what is the wind doing are my crosshairs steady right now is you know like all these things it all matter is the safety off like just all all of these yeah. little checks they they all matter 100 um that made me think of something so you know i live obviously on a coastal plain it's flatter than pancake around here so i cannot practice shooting uphill or downhill so what what do I need to know about shooting elevation or how is there any way I can simulate it or just is there like a, a principle that kind of can have a general principle for you know shooting up or down so there's, there's actually two there's a, there's a couple different things at play here first off is slope dope like shooting at an angle either up or down uh you're actually shooting at what the base leg would be right so if you're looking at so you're going to make a shot at 500 yards at a 45 degree angle what you're seeing is it's been a while is it the hypotenuse sounds right right it, it's it's the long <laughs> leg of the triangle yeah. right i mean oh, unfortunately yeah, yeah. There, there there is some application of math sometimes <laughs> right so it's that's what you're seeing when you range it you're seeing 500 yards the distance and that 500 yards is the distance that the wind is going to have effect on your bullet yeah but the distance that gravity is going to have effect on the bullet is the base leg of the triangle right so that's going to be less by, it depends on what the distance, straight line distance is uh, and what the angle is. Mm -hmm. So as a rule of thumb, we can always, if you don't know, aim an inch or two low. Not much more than that because dudes will, especially at distances that you're going to ethically make, that you're ethically going to hunt at, guys will miss because they're like, slope dope, aim low, and they aim really low. <laughs> And that'd be for so, shooting up or down, always aim low. Same thing. Cause it's to think about if I'm shooting up, it's right. If, if I've got my triangle right here, mm, yep. this leg is a lot further than this leg yeah. is. Right. So it's, it's the same thing. So that's, that would be for slope dope for angle shooting. The next one's going to be elevation. Elevation is going to be the higher we go, the less dense the atmosphere is. Yeah. So your bullet is going to fly faster and straighter. Because there's less friction on it. Yeah. Right. So that is something that, again, 
uh, you either have to know that by experience. Okay. I'm going from sea level to 10,000 feet. There's going to be a significant change. Yeah. And from shooting in distance. July at a hundred degrees versus, you know, October Which, in Wyoming when it's again 10. is why you have to like, if you're going to do this is so <laughs> worth like spend a day or two shooting precision rifle because you know, learn that applied ballistics app, get yeah. a weather meter because the weather meter will tell you what, you know, you're, you're, you can get your altitude off a of GPS. The weather meter will tell you what the relative humidity is, what the density altitude is, all those things. Yeah. Your weather meter will tell you, um, you can get the $70 Kestrel puck now that will Bluetooth to your phone and tell you what that is. And then you plug that number in to the applied ballistics app, right? Which then tells you, well, shoot, now we've got it on, uh, uh, binos now as well that have the applied ballistic yeah. software in there it's bluetoothing to your weather device so you're just going click you're hitting your range yeah the, the devices are talking and it's telling you what your hold is based off of all those atmospherics it's telling you either what your hold is or what your come up is i mean same same thing just different application yeah. uh all that right technology screen, scares me your though. glass it's amazing all that like, technology kind of scares it really me. is uh yeah, so that that's some practical stuff okay. right there. Um, so a couple like quick and dirty questions. Speaking of quick and dirty, clean bore or dirty bore when you go out for a hunt? Always, you, you, yeah. Always, <laughs> always, always shoot your gun before you go hunting with it. So right? dirty I mean, bore. If you, if you take this seriously and you, right, you why you would clean your gun a whole i mean you, you need to clean your guns sometimes most people clean their guns way too much yeah uh there is at a certain point especially when we're talking precision there's a certain point where your gun is going to be dirty and it's going to cause a, a decrease in accuracy so you do need to clean your rifle from time to time when i was going through sniper school and at the end of the day I would clean my rifle. I mean, not every day, but from time to time, at the end of the day, I would clean my rifle. I would always, after I was done cleaning, walk back out to the line. You know, and then we we're fortunate, very, very much big boy rules. And I would send two or three more rounds. Gotcha. So that it was dirty because there's going to be solvents, there's going to be greases, there's going to be other stuff in there. You want things to be as consistent as possible. So now there's still going to be. So there's there's clean bore and there's cold bore. Uh, at least if you, it's still going to be a cold bore shot. It's still your first shot of the day. So, and things are a little bit different with, with that. So you still have a little bit of that going on, but you have a lot less of it if it is not a clean bore shot as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause my dad was like fanatical about cleaning guns and like, Oh, like if you touch it, you have to like detail the whole thing. So, <laughs> so, um, no. but I like that. So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. So, okay, so dirty boar going to the field. Okay, I like it. Um, let's see. Got that uh, one. Just one practical thing on that. Yeah. Put a put a wrap of duct tape over your muzzle before you go in the field mm. because mm -hmm. it will keep garbage out of your muzzle. Uh, and so that, that doesn't affect it at all flying through that tape? It's not there anymore. By the time the bullet gets there, it's gone. It's blown off. Because of that pressure, is, is it's blown it open. And that back oh. pressure is not going to affect your, no. not at all. But 
putting your rifle in the mud. My buddy oh. is really paranoid about that. He won't do it. No, you should absolutely do that. Okay. Put put a wrap of tape <laughs> over there. It is it is well worth it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because I mean, you other the the alternative is if if you're on a challenging hunt, like and, and you get you know a bunch of alder seeds and whatnot mm-hmm. going down your muzzle, oh, yeah. like what's you're done. You know what what's the the lesser of two evils right there yeah totally um real quick are there any like you know without getting too like uh i don't know out there i guess but are there any like physical or mental or even spiritual things you do off the range you feel that make you a better marksman Like for me, for example, like I started doing, uh, you know, breathing practices in the morning. Like when I'm having my quiet time, I also incorporate like five minutes of box breathing. And I felt like that's kind of helped my overall like focus on certain things. Is there anything like that you've, that you've found is helpful? Not honestly, not really on the, the, the spiritual side of things like fitness has a huge effect on it. If you, if you're in shape, it's easier to hold a position. You can hold it for longer. You don't get out of breath as fast. You know, the strong, you know, so being in shape and being strong and healthy, really, really important totally. for shooting. Cool. Um, okay. Anything else like that I missed or you wanted to say about that whole topic? I guess plugs for guys that have supported me on on the precision rifle side of things yeah. um the first one would be john beagle gunsmiths uh he's a guy out of washington state that makes phenomenal rifles i've i've i have a rifle that he built for me a, a 260 that's great and you can you can make this as precision rifle flavored or as hunting flavored as you want right <laughs> so i've got guys that are like hey i'm going to canada like it has to look like a hunting rifle, but they want a rifle that's going to shoot just as good as, you know, the best precision rifle. Well, they, they can do that now. Oh, nice. Um, and then the other one would be Altus shooting solutions down out of Florida there. They do phenomenal custom rifles as well. And same thing. Like if you want, Hey, I want this to look, you know, I like the look of traditional wood, but, uh, but I want the practicality, you know, I'm going someplace where it's humid. So it's, it's much more practical to have a, a synthetic stock. Well, they have that now. I mean, uh-huh. they, they have it, you know, so you, you don't, it doesn't have to be walnut and, and, you know, blued steel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it can, it can look like it can look like it or look really close to it and still be a tack driver. Nice. Okay. Um, okay. A couple rapid fire kind of like just more like fun questions and then we'll be done. Okay. Send it. This is this might be hard. You got one rifle cartridge for the rest of your life. What is it? Five five six. Okay, even for hunting. Well, it does everything. I mean, it's just yeah. I can carry more of it. Like it. I guess if we if we were to say, like you're never going to use this for protecting yourself or your family ever. Yeah. Probably six five. Okay. Six five Creed. Okay, cool. Um, okay, <laughs> if you had to wear the same pair of underwear for a week or the same pair of socks for a month, which one are you taking? I mean, frogmen <laughs> don't wear underwear, so I don't know where you're going. <laughs> like, 
it would have to be the socks <laughs> really okay i would much rather wear the same pair of underwear for a week than the socks for a month but that's just me okay um to each his own um if you if you had to if you had to live in another country which one would it be probably south africa okay yeah i i really loved my time over there um it's you know beautiful country it's falling apart right now but yeah i was gonna say new zealand there's tons of stuff to hunt they speak english it looks awesome and i don't think they have very they don't have restrictive gun laws either i don't think they're getting there they're getting there yeah dang well, anyway, well, cool, man. This has been really cool. I learned a lot. Um, appreciate your time. And um, I know where can people find you if they want to sign up for one of your courses or check out some of your stuff? AmtechShooting.com or AmtechBlades.com. And then same same to AmtechShooting or AmtechBlades on both Facebook and Instagram. Cool, man. All right, dude. Well, um, you got any plans for any hunts this fall or just going to be taking care of babies? and training see i've kind of i've been a little bit out of the hunting loop just with uh you know transition to civilian life and running two businesses and church and dad and and all that stuff like uh so i would like to we'll see i mean i'd I'd like to at least go out and uh see if we can find an elk around here cool yeah, you guys can I'm still get enough the- tracks. I mean, I, I run a lot in the mountains. I mean, I'm, I'm in the mountains almost every day. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of tracks and noting where the, you know, it's, it's mid July now and I'm, uh, there's, there's spots where there's still watering holes. So it's, yeah. that's kind of cool. Can you guys get cool over the town uh, over the counter elk tag over there? Yeah, you okay. can. Nice. Uh, yeah. And Bo is going to be here soon. Although I'm not, I'm not ready for, for Bo here. You can't do you can't do mechanicals and I have hmm. never been able to tune my, uh, you know, fixed, fixed blades to, to fly the way I wanted them to. Okay. I didn't know you were an archery I didn't guy. have to mess with it. What's that? I didn't know you were an archery guy. I didn't know you, uh, played yeah, with archery. for man, a couple of years in Virginia, that was all I did. Okay. Is there, do, work, do you think there's any work? crossover between, uh, shooting bows and guns? shooting a modern bow i think is just like shooting a rifle yeah i mean it's i mean the you know i think the art is shooting a stick bow yeah have you tried that at all a a little bit i mean not yeah not to where i would hunt with it or anything but uh yeah i've I've messed around with it a little bit i had a a roommate that had a hundred pound longbow one time that was just ridiculous to try and shoot that thing (laughs) yeah uh i've had a an old fred bear recurve for and since I was a kid and then, well, one of my boys now has a Mongolian horse bow, which is Ooh. pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Cool. So I actually, I have plans to, to Definitely. get on, on my daughter's horse Oh no way! and learn to shoot that thing. <laughs> that but would be epic, dude. It would be pretty awesome. Yeah. To be epic. able to actually go like over your shoulder. Yeah. You know, like to, run down an elk on your horse and take it out. With a bow. That'd be amazing. <laughs> That's actually a, a stick bow bison hunt from horseback has been on my i've wanted to do that Dude, for a long time that yeah like the native american style that would be insane it would be pretty cool like yeah full on get 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 them running and and then come in there with like a homemade stick built bow with you know flint napped arrows like that would be uh, that's to me that's like the next that's next level stuff right yeah, there that is next but level. I, I i don't i mean 
shooting my, you know, I think I've got a bow tech though. I mean, it's, you know, you put the pin on it, deep breath yeah. in all the way out, squeeze, 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 squeeze. And man, it, it, it goes where it's, you know, as long as there's no branches in the way or there's crazy angles, yeah. it goes where it's supposed to go. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, um, I don't want to take too much more of your time. Any final thoughts or. Thanks for having me on, man. It's yeah. always, always good to see you and, too, uh, good to, uh, yeah, good, good conversation. Yeah, man. I hope we, I hope I can, I still hope I can make one of your courses someday, but, uh, we'll get there, but Either um, that, or we need to go on a hunt together sometime. Yeah, dude. I'd, That'd be fun. Maybe 2022 come up to Idaho. Um, so we'll, we'll cool. stay in touch. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All, All right. right. Thanks take again, care. man. Thanks again for listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast and make sure you stay up to date on social media at the Hunter's Quest on Instagram and the Hunter's Quest podcast on Facebook and we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day to day as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness. Whatever, just drop me a line in my DMs or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned. Lots of cool stuff in the works. And I'm really excited to continue this quest together.